0: Creative Sandbox Way Podcast, episode 165. Creative Sandbox Way. Way. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, and I believe that life is too short to not express the innate creativity inside of you. So in 2016, I wrote a book called The Creative Sandbox Way, based around 10 guideposts that I developed to get myself out of creative stuck and back to the sense of playful creativity that I naturally had when I was a four-year-old. Here's the thing. The world has a way of shutting us down, of cutting us off from our natural playfulness and creativity. But when we give ourselves the gift of peeling off the layers of adult programming, of perfectionism and comparisonitis, and returning to that place of play and creative exploration and self-compassion, not only does life get better, but it allows us to step into our fullest possibilities for ourselves in every area of life. That is my hypothesis, which has been borne out in my own life and the lives of my students and clients and readers and listeners. Make space for your creative joy and life goes from gray to full color and you start to explode what is possible for yourself. So, The Creative Sandbox Way, the book, was just the tip of the iceberg. I continue the conversation each week with this podcast. Let's jump in. Well, here we are. This is kind of exciting because not only am I excited to bring on our guest, Julia Lindstedt. Am I pronouncing that right? By you the way? are. Yes. Fabulous. I'm always yeah. excited when I pronounce the guest name correctly. <laughs> but this is this is a new thing because for the first time today on the podcast i'm i'm trying this new thing where i'm opening up the podcast to a live studio audience of members of my creative sandbox community so we have with us here some members of my creative sandbox community and f- from here on out i'm opening up as as an experiment we're going to see how this goes but my podcast interviews are not just me and the the guests but me and the guests and members of my creative sandbox community so i feel kind of like i don't know like oprah or something <laughs> except it, i'm you know sitting alone in my studio at home and i see everybody else on a screen but still it's it's pretty cool so i've got the chat window open and my Creative Sandbox community members can type into the chat anytime they have any questions that pop up or comments, and I'll get to see them. And then into the conversation, you know, we I can open up their microphones, and this can be a multi-person dialogue, or, or I guess that's not a dialogue. I guess it's a polylogue. I don't know what that is, but it's, <laughs> it's a communication that's not just me and the guests. So Anyway, today's guest is Julia Lindstedt, a longtime artist and early childhood educator in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is also where I live. And Julia co-owns Kid Art Lit, which is a subscription box company that delivers storytime and art kits to young families worldwide. Julia loves assisting families discover their own creativity, so obviously there's a big resonance there with me, yes. and she loves making it easier to raise creative and curious children. She and her husband have two children and a dog named Ernie, who is still wishing he had a brother named Bert, <laughs> which I love. Welcome, Julia. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me here. I'm thrilled.
0: I'm thrilled to have you. And what, what listeners cannot see, but I can, cause we're on video here is that you have behind you a couple of paper cuts oh, your yeah, <laughs> leaves. Actually, there's three. I can see one. There are three. Yeah. Three. They're leaves. Yes. Three different kinds of leaves. Are those your work? Those are mine. Yes. Yes. These are Very mine. Cool. Yeah. So
1: I used, to, I mean, um, I still do this, but it was where I kind of started it all was cutting paper, and um, and then I've always kept my favorite ones. So these are actually leaves that we collected on uh, on hikes with my kids, and so then I took those and I've cut them out, and now they're
0: now yeah, I have them on display. I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that you can sh- share some some of your paper cut images for me to put in the show notes. Yes, I. will. That's another another. Uh, Area of overlap that you and I have because that's how I got started in the arts as well. Way back in oh my god, I'm such a dinosaur. Way back in the mid '90s, I started making paper cuts as a way to procrastinate from writing.
1: (laughs) I love it. I think you know that's kind of fascinating (laughs) because I did it because it was like I had paper around and I you know was I think I also was procrastinating. From like you know uh, cleaning the floor or something, I'm gonna (laughs) cut this up instead. (laughs) Make that floor cleaning more worthwhile, so I could like sweep something else else up. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yours, yours. um, I I think uh, procrastinating cleaning the floor sounds a lot more, I don't know, sane than procrastinating from writing. Mine was purely, you know, escaping from the gremlin voices that were telling me that I sucked as a writer. I mean, it all worked out in the end, but. It's you know it's all very interesting how the the mind games we play with ourselves, but anyway, you started out as a paper cutter paper yeah. cut artist, and you're st- of course you still do that, but now you have this amazing business so so how did you get from point a <laughs> being a paper cut artist to this business kid are lit
1: you you know it's that's a it's a great question because it's it's a i feel like it's the the odyssey that most creative entrepreneurs or just creative people in general go on. And Mm -hmm. I don't really feel like I've, um, I've reached a destination necessarily. I feel like this is just a very lovely space to be in right now in our, on this journey. (laughs) And so, um, I started, well, actually what's kind of fascinating is I, I did do a lot of, uh, just creative work. My background really is in theater. That's where I, Mm. I, I really did start with the with the arts and prior to that I mean just growing up I had a very creative environment that my parents provided for me but then um, I needed something to do with my kids that wasn't necessarily for my children when I had them so I was doing a lot of uh, projects and art things with with them even when they were when they were babies I started doing all these different uh, art activities with them and to kind of just instigate that creativity from a very young age. I mean, we all naturally are born with it. And I thought, well, what if you just cultivate it from the beginning? Yeah. But in the process, by, it's one of those things where it's hard to give when you are not overflowing with energy yourself at that point, because dealing with um, raising small children, it's, it's very energy depleting. And I was looking for something that could um, fill me back up. So I was, I started cutting paper actually, because I went out and was drawing and I thought, well, how could I take this idea of just drawing something here and, and, and doing it as something different with it? And I thought, well, let's, let's try cutting this thing out. And I started doing that and it became from there, kind of morphed into doing silhouette cuts, and mm-hmm. I was in a mom's group, and so I, you know, I made silhouettes of my kids, and then people would come over, they go, oh, I, I would like that for mine. So I started doing silhouettes for other people, and it kind of just kind of went from there. And I felt like I, I followed the very traditional path that most crafters would follow, where you go and you do all these different craft booths and you start an Etsy shop and <laughs> you know you do all these things, and that was really successful. But then what happened was I I had all of these um, families that would come over and they would ask about the the art stuff that I was doing from that you know was my paper cuts, but they they were also asking about like what I was doing with my kids, and so then I. Thought well, maybe I'll do like a little session at home um, with some other friends, and so then I had some friends come over, and we did a little art session with their families, and it was so much fun. So we did another one and another one, and soon then I opened it up to our mom, my mom's group, and I then had all these families over, and they started coming to my house and doing all of these activities. And uh, it, it's one of those things where things just kind of kept overlapping, where the doing of the arts. And, and then of my own and then trying to connect it with my family, I kept trying to make them mush together. And I have finally come to terms with that. Those two things actually exist very separately for me and that the paper cutting has become mine and I don't necessarily sell it or do anything with it anymore. It's just for me. And if I happen to gift it to you, then it's a gift. And then doing these, uh, creative development and, um, youth development of creativity that's that is my business and what i'm here to give as in that realm of of being paid as an artist and that took a long time to kind of find that divergence and realize that you can't actually do one without the other if that makes yeah. sense um, and so going from there i started teaching classes for children and their parents because it was something that was in demand in my town and I started working with business owners, and I think that's where that's where things shifted for me from going outside of my house and then offering these classes actually in in conjunction with these other local businesses and uh, but you know honestly, after a while, I was traveling all over the place, and it was it was very challenging to keep up with that energetically and so I then became friends with um She's now my business partner. Her name's Megan Lingo, and we happened to first meet on in, on Instagram, I think, and then later on an online moms group. But uh, I said, was expressing to her one day at the park, going, "I love teaching, and I love doing all these classes, but it's it's very draining for me uh, overall because I have to like move stuff around." And that was where she planted the seed of like, "Well, what if we combined our efforts of what we're doing and figure something else from there?" and Um, That was where it kind of took the seed of, do we create an art studio, a space? Do we create like some sort of literary magazine? What do we do? And we started to look at different ways to then package that creativity. And that's how our product and our company was born. Our kid art came to be.
0: (laughs) Wow. You were talking about how you figured out that What really works for you is to keep that separation that the paper cutting is for you. And it's, you do it, you do it for you. It's not for sale. If you give a paper cut to somebody, then, then that's a lovely gift that you give to them, but it's not something that you're selling anymore. And the, the kid artlet, that's your business. Mm -hmm. And I love that you figured that out And I think that, I mean, that, that really resonates with me because that's something that's taken me a really long time to figure out as well. And it was actually about a year ago at uh, Silicon Valley Open Studios when I had a a second year in a row, I had held an open studio and I had signed up for it back in December, the end of December, and I really didn't. just, my heart kind of wasn't in it and I couldn't really figure out why. And, you know, it takes so much energy and time and money to put together an open studio. Yes, it does. And I have tons of inventory (laughs) that I was hoping to move, right? Yes. And I just couldn't quite, I just couldn't quite, I don't know, I just couldn't quite get into it. And I spent an entire weekend you know, we put all these signs up and my husband was a sweetheart to help me with it. And I was so drained. And so I, just afterwards, I, I don't know, I was just really kind of in a crappy mood. (laughs) And I realized that I needed the separation between art and commerce for me. Uh And I just like, I did not want to, it's not that I didn't want to sell my art, I'm, if somebody wants to pay me for one of my paintings, I am perfectly happy to take your money oh, yeah. and give you a painting. I'm very happy to do that. <laughs> right. But I yes. need to make my art for me. I don't want to make my art for somebody else anymore. Been there, done that, and I'm done with it. And like the art that I'm doing now, I just I actually just wrote a big long post on Instagram, well, long for Instagram, a long post on Instagram about about the art that I'm interested in making for other people at the moment is art for communication, for transformation. That's process oriented art. I love it. Not not performative. I mean, not like, Mm -hmm. not to impress somebody. If I make a piece of art and the response is, wow, that's gorgeous. Then I haven't really succeeded. If that's the only response that I get, if the response is, oh my gosh, I've learned something or you've made me change my thinking or you've you've made me pick up a book or take an action, then I've succeeded. If the response is, you've made me take an action and wow, that's gorgeous, then I've doubly succeeded. <laughs> but if the only response is wow, that's gorgeous and mm-hmm. I haven't actually transformed you in some way, then for the art that I'm doing now... I failed. And the art that I'm doing purely for like my doodles that I do purely for I don't know my own enjoyment I don't really care if they impress you. Right. <laughs> I care that they oh, please well, me that the process pleases me and that mm-hmm. they're aesthetically pleasing to me because it's pleasing to me but I don't give a darn if they if they impress you or they win an award. I'm not even going to enter them to try and win an award cuz that's not what it's about for me anymore. And
1: that's that must feel very freeing. Oh my god. Right? It's so <laughs> liberating. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just always found that I mean, I, well, one when I was doing the, the paper cuts, it's like I I would do a lot of things that were they were custom orders, right? And so there were very specific things that were needed. And which there's nothing wrong with that. And and in fact, there's, there's a, there's many artists that make very spectacular livings off of doing that form of art. And uh, it's, it's great to be able to do that and pay your bills and do all those pieces. And, but it's also okay to not dive into that for fear of like, if I don't do this, I won't ever make any money as an artist. And so I kept going down that route because I'm like, well, people keep wanting to hand me money for this and I should do that because this is where the money's coming from. And, but by the time I had done, there was one, one month where I just, I had so many orders to fulfill and it was just one of those things where I felt like all I was doing was giving and and giving and giving of my energy and creative energy to create these things. And I wanted to make sure that they looked really good, right? You know, for what the, what they had been ordered. And uh, I think I was done doing like a tenth one or something. And one, I mean, that's too many to do in a short period of time. <laughs> I went through so many blades, and my hands hurt, my back oh, hurt. I was like, ah. Oh. But. Um, I remember thinking like, there's no joy in this for me anymore. Yeah. When I did the first one, I thought, oh, this is so wonderful. And to give it to the family, I remember feeling so full of joy. Yeah. And at that point, I was also simultaneously, I'd started to teach relatively regularly. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm very, I'm really filled up when I go to do these art classes. And I'm, and it brings me a lot of joy. And so everything that we all experienced through it was Kind of just felt like it was meant to be that way. Everyone was very happy, and I was really happy, and that it was nice to kind of transition that. And so it kind of was a, a slow progression to figure out where I could be that extroverted part of myself, you know, and put all of that out there into something, and then retreat and do the pieces that I needed to do to refill up so I could actually work from that, like, um, as. Jonas Elner has said to me before. She was she calls it the work from the overflow. So mm. you fill yourself up and you stay filled up, and then you have so much left to give, right? You ha- you can continue to 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 go from there, and I, that's always resonated with me because I'm like, yes, right from from that creative perspective, it's just
0: you have to give of yourself because you are the product in a lot of ways. Oh my god, yes. And I I was that artist. That's that's the exactly the business model that I had w- was creating to a client's specifications and just like you, the first one, maybe the first couple yes. I did was so cool. It was so amazing to make a piece and be paid and mm-hmm. handed over to the client and they were so happy with it and it was so exciting and like wow i'm living the dream right but very quickly it lost its its glow <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes right <laughs> remarkably quickly actually but and yeah. yet at the time i couldn't i really couldn't see an alternative i didn't I didn't have the imagination. I didn't have, there wasn't an internet. So I didn't have the role models that Mm -hmm. I could see. And I didn't have the imagination without, you know, without seeing the role models right in front of my nose, I didn't have the imagination and the confidence to see that there was another way to do it. So I just sort of kept plotting away and, and I, and I wasn't operating from the overflow. Now, now the way that I would talk about it is I talk about having a need. You absolutely have to have creative sandbox time. That sacred space and time for making, you know, doing your creative thing that is purely for you, purely for joy, purely for fun and play and exploration and, commerce does not enter into it. Other people's judgments or thoughts or, you know, any of that does not enter into that zone at all. It is purely for you and purely for play.
1: I love that. And yes, I, I that's exactly what's needed. I, like, I think, I think that is the key. Oh, it's been the key for me as a creative entrepreneur, but just as a creative person in general, just having that time where I go, this is just, I, there's no expectations here. It's just all process. Yeah. We're just, here's some materials I'm going to play. And I mean, that comes in a variety of formats for me now, but uh, yes, I, I have to make sure that I have that several times a month in order to feel like I've, uh, I've got enough that I can then put forth because the business I have now, um, our, it's, it does require a lot of creative thinking and a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of timelines and the, my, my problem at the beginning had always been is that, well, creativity isn't, isn't on a timeline. You, know, you can't force something. You can't force it. It just, <laughs> it shows up when it shows up, wherever that you happen to be. And, um, it's taken a while to kind of figure that out and how to harness that. But, um, the, yes, that creative sandbox time, is is actually where all those things are generated and yeah. is necessary to be successful i think
0: yeah yeah well, i mean if you look at corporations like google they have 20% time mm-hmm. and that's where their best all i think all if not mo- most if not all of their most successful products have come out of 20% time, which is when they let let their people do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Yes. Total freedom to do whatever they want. And that's where their best products come from. And that's what creative sandbox time is. Do whatever you want. We're not, (laughs) this is, you know, commerce doesn't enter. Just go play. We need it.
1: Yeah, I think I, I we definitely do. And I know for me, like the second step to that is once I've done it personally, I then need to actually collaborate with somebody else. And so now mm-hmm. it's nice to have a business partner that she and I can then – you know, play creative ping pong and go, okay, I came up with this and you came up with, like, what do you got going on, right? Because then you get that spark, right? You, you both come together with your little fires of creativity and then you can kind of throw them back and forth <laughs> uh, and then see what happens from there. And that part is really, really fun. Uh, and it's really fun to have, for me, somebody else that I'm working with who's exceptionally creative and, and driven. Um, and so that part's I'm, I'm, I've i recognized now like that's the second piece often that yeah we I think a lot of artists are afraid of collaborating uh and I don't know I'm just gonna throw that out there that's been my experience as I've kind of like gone through this path and have worked with a variety of different creatives and, and different artists and uh the is the collaboration level has been very interesting who's willing to do it who's not willing to do it why and and how what levels of fear enter in there or, or whatever, or as, as you, I know as I learned from you, those gremlins, right, come from creeping <laughs> out. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is something that a lot of artists fear. I And I think that, I mean, it's, it's very big in the culture right now, I know, and not a lot of books have been written about how you know, this idea of the lone artists are creative in their garret all by themselves is really right. bunk, right? Yeah. And, but it's still, it's very, it's an idea that's very prevalent in the culture. Yes. And of course, it's being debunked by all the, the books and things that are out there right now. So let's talk about your collaboration. How did you meet your business partner and how did that get started? Okay.
1: That's a really good, that's really fun. Uh, so Megan and I I think I was trying to figure it out the other day because I've told various versions of this, and I'm actually I was, I was like, "Which one of these is true, Megan?" <laughs> and she's like, "I don't know, so I'm either we either met online on a on a mom's group, like a, an online forum, which I think may be actually where we officially connected, but I think she and I knew of each other on Instagram first uh because I mean as an arts educator in that direction I, I would I needed a lot of inspiration from from children's books and things like that that's always been a source of of where ideas you can go dip into that stream anytime and get some great ideas for for children to to you know integrate art into their lives and so Megan at the time was doing a uh, Instagram all about children's literature and and I had my page all about children's art and things like that. And anyways, but we, we met online. we connected and it was because I was working for a children's play space as their, as their arts teacher. And Megan was interested in potentially opening that type of company in the town that we both happened to live in at the time. And I, I saw it on this thing and I said, Hey, I, I know somebody I, I, you know, I work with this, with this person. And, uh, I'm sure she'd be happy to talk to you. Would you like me to introduce you to? And so I did. And, you know, they connected that way. And from that point on our paths just continued to cross because then I started looking like, okay, I'm really tired of driving all over the place, presenting art classes, you know, which can be very beneficial, right? Cause you're, you're always in front of new people, but then it's very tiring of like having to load everything into your car and unload. It's just a lot. And so I was looking at opening a physical space and I happened to end up on a property tour and she was there too. And so we started to connect more, <laughs> more that way. And I think we were like, Hey, we should have a play date. Cause I think it was on that property tour. We, we recognized that our, our, we, had, our daughters were the same age. And so we got together for a play date and we just kind of, it started to become this regular thing. It was like every Thursday we'd get together and we'd have our kids play. And of course from there, we started saying, you know, Hey, we should collaborate like on Instagram and things. And so we did, and that went really well. And it was really fun. And our audiences both were, you know, really received each other's work well. And, uh, we then thought, huh, you know, could we do something else with each other? And we decided that we were going to put together a, uh, digital magazine where it would be a, a grouping of children's books and that we would pair with art projects. And, we thought, okay, we're going to make this thing where every month we'll do this. You know, we'll create this digital children's lit uh, art something that we're going to put out there. And so we made one, we put it all together, and we, I don't know where this thought came from. And it was really smart. We thought, you know what, before we just, like, dive headfirst into this, like, let's test it. Let's just put it on our Instagram pages for just a short period of time see who downloads it. It's like, just give it away, you know, and then, uh, and then see what they, they think of it. And so we did that. We had, I can't remember, it was probably only 60 people or so they downloaded it. And then, and then they started sharing stuff and talking to us about it. And we then sent them a survey and said, tell us what you think. And all of them loved the concept and they all loved this, this marriage between children's Books and art projects to extend those those children's books, which you know is not a new concept, right? Teachers have been doing that for eons. But to have it all right there was was kind of a fun, easy thing for parents. And but what we but the feedback we received was we love this, we want it, but we'll never buy it. And <laughs> we're like, wow, okay. Why? And so then we we ended up talking to a few different people who were willing. Who said we're like, can we talk to you for a few minutes? And uh, they said, you know, we just I don't send me to a big box store to find these things. I don't want to have to go to the library to find these things to find these books. I don't want to have to go on Amazon and order all this stuff and figure it all out. They're like, we just want to show up at our door and then be able to do it. And, you know, we're both like sitting, I remember we were sitting there going, what does that mean? And Megan's, Megan's really with it. And she's like, that's a subscription box. And I'm all, what's that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, she's like giving me some examples of what those things were. And I was like, oh yeah, I know. That. Yeah, I get some of those. Okay. And that was where we started to kind of like go, well, what, is, what does that look like? And uh, we we thought, okay, well, is that what we want to do? And that's what I mean by picking a business model that, that works because that exists, right? A subscription box model exists. It's a known way of sending goods and providing services to others. And I, you know, we didn't create anything new. It's just we thought, okay, well, could we take what our idea that was supposed to be a magazine – and could we put that into a, a box? And that became a whole thing. And I actually – I still have – so the magazine is still part of our um, our product. So, like, I have the little magazine. Your listeners can't see it, but we've got a whole magazine here um, just so that your your live audience can see. But this is still part of it. So that digital magazine didn't go anywhere. It's just now part of our product.
0: How amazing. And it was fun. It's fun to – it's so coolest. every month a, it's a monthly subscription, right? It's so a monthly month, subscription. Yes. You send people the mag how many pages in the magazine?
1: Uh that's a that's a good question. I think there's a it's about eight front and back. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so we, yes, yeah, so in the magazine, like we tell you, you know, what's gonna be inside of your box, and we talk, so we give you a note um, about what to expect, what's this all about. So it's basically laying your groundwork and the foundation of what we're gonna be working on that month. And then we give you a whole thing, we have something that's called a Ready, Set, Go. And so, it's the moment you open the box. You can start engaging with something with your kids uh, to start kind of it's a warm up activity to get them ready to create. And then we always have something about the book this month. We have, we actually worked with the author, and we have an, a letter from our author. So that was really wow. sweet that we had a direct connection to her. And then we have a project, and so we give you a whole dynamic view of the project and how, what that all is and what we're working on. And then. Uh, the back is always how to make space to create. So it, it's actually mindset. It's all about how to be in the mindset to get creative with your kids. Because we all have to get into that mindset when we do it on our own. But when you add in the energy of children, it's so it's different. And so you ha- there's a there's a mindset that we would I would often work with with my students and their families, and uh, and so we've now translated that onto the back of like you know, we're going to align <clears throat> yourself and then we're going to design your, your space, like how to set this up so that you're successful. Cause my whole philosophy is like, there's no reason to fail at creativity. It's you, everyone should be successful because it's just part of who you are. It's, it's a human oh gift,
0: right? This is so <laughs> beautiful. You're doing like exactly what I do with adults. You are fostering that with children. It's I love so that. Cool. <laughs>
1: yes well and I feel like it's a um you know we in a lot of ways what you and I do is very connected because the adults that do have done my art classes and things and then now do kid art with their kids they're trying to rediscover their creativity and and this often I think I'm, I'm I i have not surveyed them so I can't tell you that for sure but I have had feedback from others that when they do this with their children the, uh, the response I often is, is this, you know, these adults are saying, I want to do this too. And I always say, do it with them. We give you yeah. two of everything so that either siblings can do it or the adult can do it too, because it's so important that yes, go ahead, get creative with your kids, because that's just going to spawn more creativity in yourself and everywhere else. And I, it's, you're going to feel so good.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh <my laughs> God. And creativity breeds creativity. Absolutely yes. Wow. So, what ages are are the boxes for?
1: These are for so they are for little little guys. They are th- ages three to seven. So it's that middle preschool up to about second grade. So it's the idea of introducing all of that uh, early literacy and and then helping kind of make those literacy connections. In a lot of ways, this is a very creative way to teach
0: children how to read. <laughs> so unbelievably cool so how do you how do you market this how do you how do you let people know about kit artlet
1: this is also so this is part of the where i'm putting a lot of my creative energy now um when we started we megan and i both had a relatively i mean moderate size following on instagram and so by combining those we we use instagram to really jump start this whole project and we also uh use well i don't like the word used we partnered with bloggers and and other people who are in that creative online space for children who were focusing on arts and education and literacy learning and then we'd have them share and, and things like that and now we do an affiliate program which is one of our big ways that we, we drive traffic to our site is we have different affiliates that, um, you know, they receive the box and they, they either write blog posts about it or they post on Instagram about it for us and they, they, they share with their audiences through email. And they obviously get a little kickback for doing that, but um, it's so great to then be able to be almost welcomed as a guest, you know, into someone's home to, to share what we do. And, and then I really like doing podcasts. I think it's really fun to talk with, with others in this realm. And, uh, it, it felt, it helps me tap back into my, my theatrical roots, I feel like. So I can, can use a little bit of that, but we, we've explored different things like Facebook ads and stuff like that. Um, but our, our most successful ways has always been through making, connections and collaborating is how we market. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. That mindset of collaboration, I think is so key for any, any business person.
1: I agree. Yes. I think you know, I mean, that's, that was how I got my classes when I was doing the in-person classes to be uh, shared and, and was working with others and, and letting them, I'm doing this thing. I think it's, hard. it's. I remember when I first started doing, you know, arts as a profession, and it was always uh, what I'd hear from other artists was like, oh, I don't want to tell people what I'm doing, or oh, I don't want to go out there and, you know, shout out what I'm doing. And I'm over there, with this th- theater kid, being like, that's the only way you do it. <laughs> you go down the street and you go, come see my show. But uh, <laughs> so I still have that part, of that part of me, and I, I always have to go. Yeah. It's, you have to let people know that you exist because you're helping them by, you know, I mean, your, your creativity really helps everyone else that's around you. And whether that just makes them happier or whether that for us, like I, we're cultivating a whole generation of of creative kids so that when they grow up, they're, they're adults who feel like their creative wells are, are full and that they can, um, they don't feel limited in that, that realm of their life that they, because for me, it's like creativity is how, it's how, it's how I live and it's how I function. And, um, I always want, I don't want kids to feel like they're limited. It's like, no, I mean, you have this amazing brain and this amazing, these two amazing hands and you are so capable. You can make anything and then go help people with that creative energy. And so that's that's where this all kind of links back to me and I or in back to all that and then uh, yes, sharing and collaborating and letting others know what you're doing is
0: is so important. Yeah, well, if you don't let anybody know what you're doing, then there's no way they're ever going to know what you're doing. No, exactly. <laughs> I know, I and mean, it can be scary. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it is, and for a lot of us, yes. it's a really new way of thinking because yes. and pr- i think i think often particularly for women because so many of us have been trained whether overtly or more subtly you know better to be seen and not heard and all uh-huh. of that sexist crap so you know getting over that programming can be challenging for a lot of a lot of women
1: yes i think no it, it definitely is and i i remember i went through a phase somewhere in the transition of, of having my children and things, I remember feeling like I couldn't speak, which was really strange. And I, it was like some sort of mindset blockage of like, I just couldn't get my words out. And I, uh, I started, uh, I was, I've always done a lot of yoga and I started doing all this yoga that would focus on that part of it to kind of move through that throat chakra, basically (laughs) get things going. And, um, you know, I always thought, gosh, that's so bizarre. How that feels—it it feels like oppression within that that part of your body, that that area to be ex- to express yourself, and it's not comfortable. And it's definitely not something that I think anybody deserves. We all deserve to be able to to
0: be expressed fully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I know you mentioned that you have mentioned that changing the way that you've looked at your gifts has changed the way that you do business and how you exist in the world. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, so I have always
1: been this relatively interesting flow of being very extroverted and introvert at the same time. You you know, I, I love to go out there and just put on a show and then come back and be very quiet. (laughs) And I always thought, gosh, that's kind of a weird, a weird thing. But, um, but then also uh, this whole idea of, of creativity as to where it can take you. And I actually think that that probably links back to more of the work that, that you offered that I partook in several years ago, which was all about, not limiting yourself in terms of all of those different mantras that you have had ingrained in you and looking at what you're not letting out and expressing. And it was through a lot of journaling work and just a lot of uh, introspective work that I started doing, realizing that um, by not doing the side of Things for me, and and not making creativity a main part of my life, that I was not happy,
0: mm.
1: and then harnessing these different pieces and saying, you know what, it's okay that I I really like to uh, to have that time to to create and make, and I really like to teach and connect with people in that way, and. Um, I also really like business. It's okay to like that. And, (laughs) and, and kind of coming to terms with all of that was, was really an enlightening process and kind of turned a lot of things on its head and going, okay, I'm capable. I can, I can do these things. And, and just because I've been told for so long that, like you know, people who do creative endeavors they don't make any money. You know, the starving artist kind of concept, and um, and then I started looking. I think that is the benefit of having the internet. You can go see role models who you go, wait a minute, they're creative, they make a lot of money. You know, <laughs> like they're creative, they look really happy, and um, suddenly looking at these different things that I I have and I go. These aren't these aren't things that are weighing you down. These are things that are going to really lift you up and be able to, you know, overall live a very happy, fulfilling life. And uh, that I'm you know still traveling that that path, and it's been it's been better every every step of the way.
0: That's so cool. I so resonate with that as well. I and I think that I think it's really a matter of acknowledging our strengths and, you know, playing to our strengths and also reframing often what we perceive sometimes as weaknesses, Mm -hmm. reframing those and seeing how those are often in fact strengths. For example, I also... (laughs) Am like you? I love to get out there and you know get up on stage and perform, but I or and I identify as an introvert. Uh-huh. So, so do people, I. <laughs> people never think I'm an introvert, uh-huh. but I really am. <laughs> in fact, I was at a one day conference, a women's leadership conference for the County of San Mateo, and I walked in the room, walked into the bathroom. And thought, why am I here? here." (laughs) (laughs) And I ended up having a perfectly fine time because I found a couple of people that I could have, you know, some conversations with. But those kinds of things, I I walk into a room and I see other people engage in conversations. And I kind of have to remind myself that I'm not in seventh grade. And that I can actually go and initiate a conversation, and I'm not going to die. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's good to have that pep talk. Yes. <laughs> and I'm drained at the end of the day. Uh-huh. I mean, completely and utterly drained. I'm I'm a true introvert. I'm very very happy being at home in my studio all day long. And I love people. I mean, it's right? A really weird combination. <laughs> very strange. And I love and I love perform. In fact, a lot of performers are. Mm-hmm. Because being on stage is a safe way to totally. interact with groups of people. Right. I'm so much better um, in small groups. Mm-hmm. Like as a, for my ideal party would be like a small group of people around a table where we can have deep conversations. I hate small talk. Yes. And if I have to deal with a group, I want to be the performer. Right. Or the <laughs> leader, you know, like up there facilitating or, yeah. or performing, right? Anyway, um, now of course I've completely gotten off track. No, you're fine. <laughs> I completely lost the thread of where I was going. Oh, I know. Um, so anyway, I think I often think about that as a weakness. Like, the, like my intro. If only I were an extrovert, I would be better at XYZ. I
1: always think about that too. Yes, about oh gosh, you know, if only I was this, or if only I was that. And then in the in the last several years, the more that I've just embraced
0: this is who I am. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> when we can so, embrace those things that we perceive mm-hmm. as weaknesses, those things aren't weaknesses. They're who we are. And when we can embrace them and own them, then they can become our strength. Absolutely.
1: Well, and then they, they actually start leading the way. And it's amazing when you let that when you ease into that, and you go. This is who I am. That doesn't mean you aren't an ever evolving being because you right. are. But I mean, but that the way you're going to respond to things is is just how your system's set up. And so, yes, once you start leaning into that, I've I've always been very surprised at how many doors then open when I just say, "This is who I am," and this is who I'm going to bring to this right now. And I'm okay with that. So and I'm okay. If you're, however you feel about it.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. That is really the key. Isn't it? (laughs) Yes. Somebody, I can't remember. I
1: was working with my son who he's, he was dealing with a lot of anxiety for a while there. And, um, it was interesting because I had this moment with him where I said, you know what though? I'm like, we are actually, we choose our emotions. So if, if, this system, this situation is feeling overwhelming. I said, let's choose a different emotion to feel right now. Let's choose to feel calm. What does that feel like? You know, and kind of breathing through that. There's a really fun uh, practice that you can do, which is like called breathing through the rainbow, which I just love the visualization of that, of like, you know, the red and the orange, like breathing really hotly, ha ha ha, ha, ha you know, going down to green and then to blue and then to purple and then to be very calm. And it's a really lovely thing to do with small children to kind of bring their energy to focus, um, before you can then move into something else, and I was doing that with him, and it was just I, as I was saying to him, going, "You know, we're gonna, we choose our emotions. So let's choose something else." And I thought, and I'm there thinking, I need to hear that. Like, <laughs> 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 yes, like we choose how we are going to respond to something. You know, we have that power, and so the the, the moment, like I remember really leaning into that, and that was only very recently. I thought. Wow, this is all so much better. And then as we talk with our families that are our kid artlet subscribers, it's like you get to choose how you respond to this. You know, if your child decides to throw paint everywhere, which I hope they don't, but you never know, right? I mean, <laughs> it's part of the process. We get to decide how we respond, and um, I just think it's, it's it's in a I don't know it's an epiphany that to have had and then to be able to share is just it feels like a incredible gift. Um,
0: so <laughs> ah, I love it. Well, Julia, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours, but I want to be respectful of your time and we are coming close to the top of the hour. And so I think we should move on to our something cool. Okay. Did you bring something? I mean, uh, not a phys- not bring, but do you have something <laughs> to share that something cool to share that our audience might be interested in?
1: yeah i brought I brought a book because <gasps> i I thought, yes, I thought, you know why not? I mean, I love books, right? So <laughs> Perfect. Thought, why not? Let's share a book. This is not a children's book. however, it is a it's a mindset book. and um, it's one that, in conjunction with doing a lot of you know basic development of of you know your own artistic skill, I feel like as creative entrepreneurs, you have to also develop a mindset for how to deal with some of these other pieces. And so this is one that has helped me in the beginning. And it's called, and I hope you don't have to bleep any of this out, but you are a badass at making money. Oh, I love it. By Jen Cisnero. Yes. So she goes through all of the ways to, uh, that we block ourselves, uh, about, especially for women, you know, how women typically we, we block money coming our way and that you don't need to. And I just, this has been a very, uh, very good read. And it's really quick. You'll blow through it really fast. And then you'll be like, did I get anything out of it? So you'll read it again. <laughs> and, <laughs> but she's got some really good uh, money mantras in here, which I think are, um, are really fun and then are, are helpful. Because one of the pieces I, I felt like really shifted for me was when I started to recognize, when I'd make statements about money, Oh, I can't afford that. Or, you know, um, yeah, that's too, that's too much or something. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. And then flipping that on its head and being like, instead of saying I can't afford that, you say, I'm not choosing to spend my money on that right now, you know, and, and things like that. And she gives a whole long list of stuff like that, but it's been very, uh, just re redefining how, how you view money coming into you and money leaving you and that whole relationship around that. Because, I know for me, once I started to make products and things that were selling and, and you know bringing in money, I remember feeling guilty about it, which I thought, well, that's odd. Why on earth would I feel guilty? You know, <laughs> Where is that coming from? <laughs> and then looking into that deeper as to, oh, okay, this is a weird mindset that I don't remember giving to myself, but it's from somewhere.
0: And so that's been, that's my something cool. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm going to have to get that book. Yes. <laughs> and that mindset of feeling guilty and all that is so not, you're not alone. I think that's very common. So it's, yeah, money, its we do all kinds of weird head trips around. Yes,
1: us. so many. So yeah. I feel like this is like level one. Get out,
0: <laughs> your own, get out of your own way. <laughs> fantastic. And my something cool this week is Neuland pens, Neuland markers. So I am obsessed with all things, visual note-taking, sketch noting, graphic facilitation, all of that. I am just like, totally like, I'm a monster. I'm a woman obsessed. And Neuland pens are the thing, Neuland markers. The Neuland company, it's a German company, not to be confused with Neuland calligraphy, which is at the date that we're recording this a week from now, I'm going to be teaching a two day calligraphy workshop for the friends of calligraphy on Neuland calligraphy, Neuland markers, the Neuland company is a German company that, that sells products for facilitation. And they have this whole line of markers that are like de rigueur for facilitators. And the reason is because a number of things, they are refillable and they have replaceable nibs. So they're, they're markers, you know, with the, with the, the polyester fiber tip nibs, but the nibs are replaceable and the ink is refillable and the outliner nibs, uh, the outliner pens are like water, waterproofy, whatever. So you can draw over them with the other colors and they won't smear which is important, but they're water-based. So they don't stink like Sharpies. They don't like kill off your brain cells, unlike Sharpies. Um, and they come in a whole variety of different nib tips. So they have um, you know, thin ones and fat ones and wedge markers and round tip mark, bullet tip markers. And Uh, brush tip markers and little one little tiny ones for writing in your doing sketch noting in your sketchbook and big huge ones for like gigantic graphic recording on a four foot by eight foot piece of paper if you're you know making a gigantic huge one they have acrylic ones they have just like practically everything you can think of they have white ones for doing on writing on black paper. They just like everything. So I am in love with Noiland markers and they ship from Germany. So if you live in the U S it's super expensive, but they, it only takes two business days to get wow. everything, but you don't want to order one marker because the minimum shipping is like $20, $19 or something wow. like that, but they're fantastic. <laughs> I'm in love with Noiland markers. So that's my something cool. This week. That is cool. <laughs> so, and I make no money from it. So I'm not like, I'm not an, I'm not like an affiliate or anything like that. But Can, can you be? No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Julia, it has been such a treat to get to talk to you and get to know, learn a little bit more about your business, Kid Art Lit, and to see your paper cuts hanging in the background. Yeah. and to hear a little bit more about all the different ways that you and I have so many overlaps and um thank you so much for taking the time to come onto the podcast
1: well thank you so very much for for having me and welcoming me on it's been great
0: Yeah. Thank you. And I may just have to have have you come back in a year or so and see what you've been up to. Anytime. That'd be fabulous. Wonderful. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Julia Lindstedt. Let me know if you resonated. And thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, as always, share it with a friend. And I would be super appreciative if you would take a moment to hop on over to the Apple podcast player and leave a rating and review. Those ratings and reviews are super important, not just for my ego, although, of course, it never sucks to get a good rating and review. The reason they're so important is because that's how other people find the show. When they're searching for a podcast, the more ratings and reviews the Creative Sandbox Way podcast has, the more likely it is to pop up when somebody is searching for a podcast. So hop on over and leave your rating and review if you haven't done so yet. And if you don't know how to do that, don't worry, I've got you covered. Just go to creativesandboxway.com slash iTunes dash review. That's creativesandboxway.com slash iTunes hyphen review. And I've got step-by-step instructions for how to leave your review. Just a sentence or two is all you need. You can write whatever you want about why you like the podcast, what you like about it, how it's made a difference for you. And if you email me to let me know you left a review and how it's made a difference in your life, that is how you apply to be considered for the listener spotlight. If I pick you, we'll have a really fun really relaxed conversation. And you'll get to be featured on the podcast. Pretty cool. Just like Julia. You'll get to be featured just like Julia. So that is it. Until next time. Thanks again for joining me. And go get creating. Sandbox
1: way. Subscribe
0: way. at creativesandboxway.com dot com slash podcast.